Well, uh, good morning. It's uh, lovely to be back here at Tilhead Baptist Church. I wish I could say it was lovely to be on a lovely summer's day with the sun bright, but unfortunately it's a typically dreich autumn uh, Glasgow day. I'm also glad that you've remembered to set your clocks properly this morning. And, uh, either that or you think that the service has started really early today. But, uh, but it's great, great to be back, back here at, 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 Baptist, at Hillhead Baptist. Um, so let, let me just begin this morning just with this prayer. Just to help us come into the, the presence of God. Worship is the doorstep of heaven where the children speak to the father the poor sit at table with their savior and the weak are empowered by God's spirit this is where love and mercy meet love and obedience hold hands and where love bids us welcome for this is the doorstep of heaven loving God let it be this and more for us today for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, like I said, it's great to be here this morning with you uh, to, to worship. Um, obviously, send greetings from uh, our home church, uh, Queen's Park Baptist, uh, today. Um, I've not really been there an awful lot recently. I was just saying to Anne, I'm still at the college at the moment and uh, have been out and about in various different places. They probably it might take me off the membership role if I'm not careful. I maybe need to get along at some point. So let us just take a moment just to, to pray. And I'll just use this prayer, um, which is from uh, the website actually Anne had suggested to look at for this morning's service. So let's just take a moment just to, to just place ourselves in the right place this morning to quiet our minds before the Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. My soul longs for the courts of the Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place. Even the littlest and the least find a home. How lovely is your dwelling place. Happy are those whose strength is in the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. They go from strength to strength. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Hear our prayer, O God, as we gather here in your name. How lovely is your dwelling place. Amen. Amen. Um, our reading this morning is from Second Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 6. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. One of the things that I always enjoy about uh, coming to Hillhead is that 
you give me a, a scripture to uh, base a teaching on. Most places just expect you just to arrive with something. And so it's good that you give, give a scripture. And it's often scriptures that I might not necessarily have preached on. So it's good. It stretches me and you know, makes me look again at parts of uh, my faith. So that the reading this morning, 2 Timothy 4.68. As I asked the children when they were up earlier, if they have good friends, friends that they turn to, my question would be the same for you this morning. Do you have friends that you turn to when you're looking for advice? People that you know you can rely on. People that always seem to be able to point you in the right direction. People whose opinion you trust. They might not always say what you want to hear, but you you value what they have to say to you. I'm very lucky. I've got uh, a few friends like that. I've uh, a friend, Margaret, that I mentioned earlier, and two other friends especially, uh, Harry and Stuart. Probably if they were here and they heard me saying that, they'd be incredibly embarrassed and tell me to be quiet, you know, but they are great friends. There are friends who have prayed with me, pray for me regularly as I've been going through the college. They have been friends who have been there when I've walked through difficult times. They've helped me navigate my way through some pretty tricky situations. I hope that you have friends like these. Because they're great friends. And everybody should have friends like these guys. And um, and our reading today, in fact the whole of the Second Timothy, the letter of Second Timothy, we get a glimpse into this type of friendship. The friendship between Timothy and Paul. Paul is the, the older, more experienced friend. He's been there. He's done most things. And Timothy's the friend that's needing advice and who's needing encouragement. And if you read around the story of Timothy, you kind of get the impression he's the type of person that needs a lot of encouragement. He's been given a lot of responsibility. When we read of him in 2 Timothy, he's been put in charge of the church in Ephesus. He is seen in many ways as Paul's protege, his successor. There's a huge weight of expectation on Timothy's shoulders. And I think Timothy struggles with that. It doesn't come natural to him. People point out that Timothy was probably relatively young to be a leader in the church. And because of his youth, people might not always have taken him seriously. He seems to have been prone to ill health. I think uh, 
uh, Paul actually advised him to drink a little bit of wine, actually. Not too much, just a little bit. And of course, it maybe prevented him having the energy and the vitality that he really needed for his role. So people might have questioned his leadership. He seems to have had quite a timid temperament. Uh, And so you might have felt he was bulldozed into decisions by stronger characters in his church. But he's been put in charge of the church at Ephesus. And it hasn't been easy. And reading between the lines, I think you do get the impression that his leadership has been challenged that there are people there pushing their own agendas, that there are even people maybe who would compromise parts of the gospel to get their way. And so Timothy is needing his friend Paul. He had been on many missionary journeys, of course, with Paul. He'd seen Paul in action, but Paul isn't available. He's, well, he's in prison, as he writes. So Paul, so Timothy, sorry, is needing Paul to write something to him that's going to be a game changer. Something that's going to have that little nugget of advice, that little golden nugget that's just going to change things. He's going to pass on some treasure. So what Paul has to say to Timothy in many respects may come as a bit of a disappointment. And especially if you read the whole letter. Maybe what Timothy wanted was Paul to share something along the lines of his seven secrets to a successful ministry. Or a five-point action plan to church growth. Or maybe he thought, well, Paul's maybe got the details of some secret bank account that will open up some funds for some church work. Or possibly he thinks maybe, well, maybe Paul's got the name and address of a local hitman that will get rid of the troublemakers in the church. But of course, Paul's words do none of these things. In fact, the part of the letter that we write may even seem a bit of a disappointment. Discouraging rather than encouraging. If you turn to that passage and and read again verse 6, it's hardly the things of inspiration. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure. In terms of motivational speaking, I don't think that's really cutting it. That's not really what you want to hear. It sounds a little bit like Paul is beaten. And in many respects, he had been. His ministry lies in tatters. Many of his colleagues, as we read in the letter, have turned their back on Paul. Co-workers that he had worked with for many years have shunned him. His reputation possibly lies in tatters. He finds himself in a cold, lonely Roman prison. 
What kind of man of God finds himself in prison? I can imagine people saying that. And we know that this letter is probably one of the last things that Timothy probably wrote. Very soon he will be marched out of his cell and he will be executed. He may even have been dead by the time Timothy receives his letter. There is no email or instant messaging in the ancient world. These are the words of someone who knows that their death is imminent. As it says at the end of the verse, the time has come for my departure. The Lord had saved him, got him out of lots of many tight spots before, but it's not to be this time. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. And on their own, that verse read on its own just wouldn't inspire. Has Paul been beaten? Would Timothy be best to give up? Of course the answer is no. Of course the answer is no. But Paul does not give Timothy a recipe for an easy, carefree ministry or the secrets to a trouble-free Christian life. But what Paul goes on to say is despite the hassles, the problems, the heartache, the pain, the personal cost, that all can come with walking with Christ. It has been worth it. That's the impression you get from Paul. And I wonder as Paul sits there alone in his prison cell, if he began to reminisce, whether he started to look back on how the gospel had changed his life, how he had gone through from being a man who was consumed with hatred to someone who had a consuming desire to share the gospel and see people embraced by God's love. Maybe he could look back and think of all the times he had seen people come to faith through his preaching and his ministry, seen people discover and find new meaning and purpose in their life through their encounter with Christ. I'm sure as he gazed back over his life, he thought, you know, it's been difficult, but it's been worth it. And of course, verse 7 there, I think, captures that, the essence of that, so well. It's familiar, a familiar verse. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now it's interesting in that verse that Paul doesn't say, I have won the fight. He says, I have fought a good fight. He doesn't say, I have won the race. No, he says, I have finished the race. The world might be consumed 
about winning, about being first, about being on top. But for those in Christ, what is more important is to keep on competing, is to keep the faith. The message translation puts this verse this way. This is the only race worth running. I've run hard right to the finish, believed all the way. But that gives us a question, obviously. Well, what's worth winning? What, has he, what race has he won? What prize has he gained? Because the prize that was waiting for him, he knew was far greater than any prize the world could offer him. Read again there, verse 8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award, award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. The prize is the crown of righteousness, which Christ promises to him. John Stott uh, puts in his little commentary on Second Timothy, he points out that the crown here is not one of silver or gold. It's not a crown encrusted with jewels. No, the crown Paul thinks of here is a garland. A garland made from leaves. In itself, worthless. Of no monetary value. But to the athlete who had won it, who had dedicated their life to winning it, it meant everything. So the crown Paul is longing for, in fact, not longing for, he's certain he will gain. It's not one of fame or fortune, but a crown of righteousness. And that crown of righteousness for him will mark that moment when the good work the Lord had started will be completed. It will mark the moment when the Lord will congratulate him and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, Timothy, reading these words, might have shrugged his shoulders. I don't know. He may have thought to himself, okay, Paul, that's all right for you. You know, you're this super amazing Christian, this super saint of the faith. Of course you should expect a crown. But what about me? Poor, timid, little Timothy. And it's maybe... Why Paul adds to the end of that verse, almost anticipating Timothy's wine, if you like. He says, not only to me that crown will be rewarded to, but also to all who have longed for his Christ's appearing. To remind Timothy, and probably to remind us as well, that the prize is not the exclusive property of a few super saints, but to all who attempt to live the faith faithfully. So, I suppose to sum up, the advice Paul gives to Timothy his dear friend. And if you read the letter of 2 Timothy, it is 
it's heartfelt. You know, he really, you know, there's a real love between these two people. But the advice he gives them is not one that promises success and riches. But the treasure he passes on to Timothy is that he needs to keep his eye on that greater prize. That had made all the difference to Paul. And I think it's what carried Paul through his ministry. We read in 2 Corinthians that there's that very scary list of all the trials and tribulations that Paul has had where he's been stoned, shipwrecked, beaten up, and yet he carries on because his eye is on the greater prize. And I think it's that focus on that greater prize that allows him to meet his martyr's death with such confidence, with such assurance. So to Timothy, he's saying, you know, there's, there's no guarantee in this life that it will be easy. But you need to transform your perspective on the trials and tribulations you might face because there is a greater prize ahead of us. And maybe for some of us, we need to hear that advice today. We need to fix our, sight, our sights on that greater prize, that crown of righteousness. Life isn't always easy. We may feel like giving up on the faith and think to ourselves, well, what's the point? But our faith doesn't guarantee a carefree life. It never has. It's not in the book. The demands of our faith may place us at odds with those around us, give us different values, different priorities that make us unpopular. Christians don't seem to win many popularity contests. I don't know if you've noticed that. We can look at the church and think to ourselves, it's not growing, it's dwindling. Why keep going? Its witness seems to be frequently compromised. Just looking at those issues, they're the same ones Timothy faced. Those problems aren't new and they haven't gone away. But I believe that that Paul's advice to his dear friend, that the treasure that he could pass on to him, his last words to him, would be the same to us as he would give to his dear friend. And these words, let me read them one more time, are quite simple, aren't they? For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. Not a sad cheerio, but a It's time to go. I've won. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all, all, that's you guys, who have longed for his appearing. Yeah. Amen. May these words strengthen us 
in our hearts today. May they give us, sustain us in our walks through life's bumps and scrapes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. We pray that we will choose life, O God, your life, which lifts our eyes to a cross on the pathway to risen life for all people and ourselves. We pray today for all who long for freedom, who wait on the edges hoping that someone will see their pain, and who reach out hands to your cross in hope or faith. These are the ones we have seen before us and for whom we now pray. We pray for ourselves, your people of this day, who look with awe at the task in front of us, as did the disciples of long ago. We pray that we may, we pray that we may be filled with your energy for transforming the world and your courage in facing all that life brings, whatever that may cost in sacrifice and love, that one day we may say, Give us all that we need to follow your cross in faithfulness. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah, dear Father, may we leave this place today strengthened, renewed, and refreshed. Ready to fight the good fight, to finish the race and keep the faith to keep our focus on the prize that you have for us. And through all that life may throw at us, help us to sing praises to you, O Lord, in all times and in all circumstances.